0: You're listening to The Lucid Entrepreneur. My name is René Boss and I'm your podcast host. In full disclosure, I'm here to share with you through this podcast what's going on behind the scenes and behind the curtains of a Dutch entrepreneur living in Bali, trying to live a life with meaning and purpose. I'll be sharing with you the good, the bad and the ugly, all for your own learning and inspiration. Enjoy listening and please subscribe to receive my weekly new episodes all right welcome everyone thank you for tuning in for another episode of the lucid entrepreneur my name is renee boss and i have a special guest on today her name is carrie and we are going to be speaking into some really beautiful vulnerable edgy topics when it comes to entrepreneurship Uh, but before we dive into that carrie can you just introduce yourself to us all
1: yeah, my name is Carrie Ford, and I'm the CEO of Elevate with Carrie, which is a luxury transformational movement for women, uh, where I focus on whole body wellness um, and nervous system attunement through the lens of what I call somatic success, which is success gets to feel good and look good.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you also for making time and hopping on, Carrie,
1: and also for sure.
0: accepting the invite for because it's. Uh, for the people that are just tuning in and maybe this is the first episode that you're listening to with the lucid entrepreneur i really have a vision of showing the world more than just the pretty pictures and the great successes that we can have as an entrepreneur and really showing you like hey uh, you know there's days where we don't feel good about what we're doing and we we hit we hit roadblocks and we have struggles in the in the meantime and that's something that i really want to speak into and gary is one of the People, one of the few people actually that's like, hey, yeah, let's let's talk about it. You know, I'm willing to share uh, for inspirational purposes, and that's what we're going to be doing here. So, uh, let's get to it. So there was we actually had a little pre-check before we started the recording of this episode, and one thing that um, came up. There's a couple of things that we wrote down, um, but I think the biggest one that I am super excited about is the whole thing around relationships and being an entrepreneur, how they weave in together how they might bump into each other how they might clash and and speaking into those struggles and i know i've had quite a lot but i would love to yeah start off with you carrie like what is your idea when it comes to being an entrepreneur and looking at yeah your relationships
1: oh they they definitely mirror each other who we're being in relationship our triggers our traumas uh even our attachment style shows up and leaks over into all containers it's not actually separate and so um something i encourage clients to do is to be mindful when they start compartmentalizing well i'm like this in a relationship and i'm like yeah but where else does that show up because my guess is it also shows up like let's say you're an entrepreneur you're a coach in enrolling clients in attracting clients in selling clients uh in working with clients even if you're leading in-person events like your nervous system gets to be so attuned to those things and who you're being but it's all one thing none of it's separate
0: mm, yeah i totally agree so you're also saying that yeah the way you respond in moments when there's like chaos or when you respond to something in a certain moment it's, it's the same thing whether you respond to your partner or when you're interacting with a client
1: oh yeah for sure
0: yeah so do you see any like for your for yourself like any personal ways that you might have i don't know responded in certain situations that you re- recognize that you were doing it in the same way with your clients and if so like how, did you do any work on that were you able to resolve or change that or just embrace it or
1: sure i have a strong controller that likes to come on board <laughs> and the controller in me is trying to seek certainty and it's it's really something that comes out when I feel like I need to protect or control the room. So I've seen this show up in my body. I don't know that it's necessarily always come through, but I've seen it show up in my body sometimes if it feels like a room is out of getting out of control, right? Or if I feel like my partner has, if I don't feel disconnected from them, it sends my body into anxiety and What I have felt historically as someone that I don't even want to say identifies as but just has noticed that a behavioral tendency is to go into anxious attachment style, um, which means that space doesn't feel safe to me, it actually triggers me, right? Because the fear there is like they won't come back or if they're disconnected, then they're going to abandon you. Um, And so knowing that and knowing how that applies into in-person retreats and and things like that, I know when my like internal controller wants to come on board. So just being really mindful of that, that's something for sure I've noticed.
0: Mm, yeah, beautiful. I was just also reflecting as you shared like what my attachment style would be because I think when there's conflict, I feel like I'm a bit of a mixture. Like either I wanna like run away, that's the first response that I get. Like I wanna get the <laughs> Fuck out of this space here. It doesn't <laughs> feel good to me. I'm out. You know that's my first yep. response. But then when I go when I go through that, and then the other person leaves, then it's like oh fuck, <laughs> where are they going? So you're then I have...
1: <laughs> anxious attachment, right? So you're always running. You're either yeah. running toward them or you're running away from them, depending on what they're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anxious
1: yeah. avoidance is is typically what that is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also love what you shared in the beginning. And it's so true seeing this goes beyond the romantic relationship and the clients. This is probably also or not probably this is how you interacted with your parents or maybe what you learned from your parents and 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 think what is normal and what is not.
1: Sure. Well, that was what was confusing to me when I started to unpack all of this inner child work, because I'm like, I grew up with a really great family. Like my parents were present. They were there. Um, I didn't always feel heard. I don't think every kid always feels heard. I mean, our parents are doing the best they can. But when I look back at my childhood, I thought, I don't know, do I have trauma? Like, why do I have this massive fear of abandonment? My parents did not abandon me. I've never gone through any specific event that I could put my finger on. However, what I did realize was through discipline, the silent treatment was used. So my dad would actually if i was in the wrong he would withhold love and pull it away and and practice the silent treatment you know it was his way of holding control where his on his controller came online and on board and the silent treatment was enforced and so that felt what i realized was oh those feelings are really familiar to me which is what i the message i received growing up there was you don't deserve to exist in the house that you are home in, even though you're physically here. Like, you don't even deserve to be acknowledged. That's how it felt. Mm. And so internalizing that or also feeling like if I did anything wrong, love could be taken. And and so there was no room for error or being wrong. Or So it, it just really massively played a huge role in, like, what I did or didn't do and what came up in my body
0: yeah beautiful that's a really powerful insight as well like linking that back to where it came i don't i think it's good i don't think it's really like super important that we like figure out exactly where our trauma is coming from but it does give us a feeling of like oh yeah well i can you can sort of explain it like it's not right it's not wrong that's where it probably came from and now i'm ready to like let that go or do it differently
1: yeah i mean i totally agree that you don't have to identify the exact moment like oh here's where the imprint Mm. took hold but yet I knew there was something that didn't quite connect for me without having that piece of information simply because I'm like, what, where is this abandonment coming from? I've never been abandoned, you know, but I've experienced emotional abandonment. And so that for me was like, oh, okay. Understand. these, This is where I have felt this familiarity.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's it's interesting and for the people that have been listening to one of the first episodes and I don't even know if you know this Carrie but I was actually abducted as a baby so I was actually abandoned I was taken wow. from my from my parents and I was away for 11 days Wow
1: so as a I didn't as a baby
0: that. yeah as a baby I experienced that sort of abandonment from my mother at least and my and my father because I was with this woman that I've never met before for 11 days Wow so, yeah i'm like okay well that's a big enough explanation for me that i have like some (laughs) tendencies
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. i would say so wow yeah
0: yeah and 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 looking at me growing up with my with my father and i was of course returned to them the police found me they were able to track down the woman and i was returned thankfully um but my father is like one of the, the typical kind of men that are not really showing their emotions, they're not really open to talking about their feelings, right? So that's just something that I never learned growing up. And something that I took into my relationships as well. Not showing emotions, thinking that I'm weak if I show sadness or if I show frustration or whatever. So it's like, oh, I'll I'll go out. My dad hops on the bike, on the bicycle. If he has a fight with my mom, he hops on the bicycle, he's out, right? So that's yeah, how he copes with it. Yeah, so I started doing that as well, but now, you know, going through the personal development work and doing therapy work, it's like I can actually, even though it's uncomfortable, I can sit with it. I can still be in someone's presence, whether it's a friend or a romantic partner, and really go through those emotions, like, in a healthy way, Mm. instead of running away.
1: having, Having that awareness is so keen, because then we can start to reprogram what we do instead. Or at least practice something different because you're like oh wait this is where I notice I want to run away so what can I do instead let me just start with maybe I don't lean in but at least I stand still yeah and like that gets to be just the practice of trying to lay down those new neural pathways and create a new visceral experience
0: yeah beautiful so also for the people listening like this is like when you're starting to notice these patterns or behaviors, it's not about you like resolving and being perfect today, but starting with noticing. And then as you notice it next time it happens, you know, or when it's about to happen, you can be like, you, you actually have a choice. Am I gonna go into my usual behavior or am I gonna choose to do it differently this time? And even then it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be perfect, but you can try and learn and make it better.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I'm sure you already know this, but change requires two things. First is awareness which most people have to a certain degree in depth. And the second is choice. That's mostly the, the big how question that a lot of people ask, but how do I change it? How do I stop doing this behavior? Well, it's in the noticing and observing and starting to catch it sooner so that you can start practicing something different.
0: Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I, I'm happy you brought that in, Yeah, because without awareness, without being able to notice it, you will never be able to change it. It will always go the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Absolutely. we're when we're when we're talking about um, relationships and being an entrepreneur, because I, I know you and your partner are both entrepreneurs, and uh, I've been in an uh, almost three-year-long relationship, also both being entrepreneurs, and I've noticed that there's a lot of beauty in it, and I also noticed that there's like quite a lot of challenge in there, like <laughs> what time What are you schedules. talking
1: about? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Carrie. <laughs> so I remember. Uh, I was, so I was married went very young. I was married at 25, but I was in that relationship for 12 years. And when I went through my divorce, I remember being very clear on my love list. I was like, I want a male version of me. Like that just, I just want to be understood. I want the, like the entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit, all these things. So I have this male version of me now. Jake, right, who I've manifested. And sometimes I'm like, God, I'm a pain in the ass, you know, like, cause he's my divine mirror. I'm like, am I that fucking stubborn? And uh, yeah, the answer is yeah. Like, we both are. It's just, it's so funny and so annoying because in such a uh, divine union and in such a conscious partnership, you can't get away with anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't, you can't get away with all of your unconscious tendencies, avoidance tactics. Um, none of that lasts. It just doesn't. And then you take it a step further and we're both entrepreneurs in the personal development space, helping other people do this work. And it's like, our, we should start recording more of our coffee chats in the morning. Cause they are not like <laughs> most people's we sit, we psychoanalyze, you know, over coffee. Um, I would say probably our, our work is in creating more joy play and like loosening the reins a little bit because we're so dedicated and so committed to the healing work that as a lifestyle and as, you know, professionals in our life purpose, it just, it's hard sometimes to like take a break. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been the greatest joy of my life and also one of the hardest things because the things I've been required to face as a result of being in a conscious partnership with someone who mirrors back to me so specifically in real time, um, it's been painful, and it's also been confusing sometimes because trying to just to discern as I change and make new choices, right? Because now I'm aware and trying to practice making these cho- new choices, you you sit in this space of as you're in the process of letting go of these patterns of like, what is trauma and what is truth here? Like what's real? Because what felt real as an experience may have been driven by. My lived experiences, which most often they are. And so there's stories and beliefs and thoughts, but those are all programmed. So then, okay, how do I transcend those? How do I change them? How do I alchemize them? And so slowly practicing learning safety and relationship to truly be seen, which most of us desire. So there's a lot of layers to that, but um, it's been beautiful and um, extremely challenging work.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I love the part what you shared that you're basically such perfect mirrors of your of, of each other and nothing can be unseen. Like everything, nothing can be hidden. It's like
1: <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, can I just be like asleep for just this one thing? And he calls also call me out on it. <laughs>
0: it's beautiful. I and think vice it's a of personal growth. Like you yeah, must both absolutely. be growing so much.
1: All the time. I mean. It's pretty wild, actually. It's a very accelerated pace, especially when you do work together. Um, I'll, I'll never forget one specific story. We were in Tulum, and I had hair extensions in that were long at one point. And I've had this battle with, like, really disliking my curly hair. And so I get out of the ocean, and I let my hair air dry. And he goes, whoa, what's going on here? And first thought is, like, ugh, it look, my hair looks bad, you know, or it looks like a mess cuz to me the curly hair felt out of control which goes against this controller what's to come on board. So I'm like, "Oh, it must look like him. I'm like, "Yeah, this is my hair." And he goes, "What?" He, in his Jake way, he goes, "I feel lied to. This is a this is amazing." <laughs> he's like, "You should never he's like, "You should never straighten your hair again." I mean, we're half a year into dating and it's the first time he's really seen me. Wow. But like your divine partner really wants to see you, even the parts of you that you've rejected because it's authentic to me. And so I didn't realize how beautiful that was to him and I've had a process of starting to like wear my hair curly all the time now. Um not because he likes it to be clear because it's safe to be seen as who I am.
0: Wow. And what makes me me. That is really beautiful.
1: And so it's just hair and also is it
0: You know, good question. (laughs) Wow! To really
1: let someone see you and let and let them in—that was where I took my power back, where I had given away from myself. This was only a a mirror reflection of, you know, where I had rejected myself.
0: Yeah, I think it's so beautiful. Like, there's so many parts in what you're sharing, and and like you said, it's not because he liked it that you kept it down, but maybe he did sort of spark in you the space to love it more and knowing that you're good enough as you are you don't need to like straighten your hair to be loved totally wow i think yeah i i truly believe that like we've got all these beautiful courses and we can do all the personal development work but a relationship has so many fruits (laughs) to bear more than what we can ever learn in like school or from books or
1: I don't know if you resonate with this, but I did quite a bit of personal, develop more, personal development work, as did he before we were in relationship. And I remember thinking, like, I feel really good. Like, I think I've healed a lot of things. And then, you know, you get in a relationship and it's like, beep, bop, boop, like all your triggers. <laughs> yep. You're like, fuck, I thought this was gone. And like, now I feel at times 10 in my body because I'm practicing in relationship. And so it's a whole different level of mastery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also because you like I don't know the, the the when you're in a relationship there's this special person right you go into a deeper level of trust and commitment you spend a lot of time together there's like like you said like the beep 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 they press exactly those buttons <laughs> that you don't want to be pressed on. <laughs> All oh because by
1: myself it was fine no one was pressing those buttons because mm-hmm. I was you know alone in my little like cocoon <laughs> of healing.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Is there anything right now that you would say would be like where there's like room for improvement, sort of say, if you're willing to speak in that? Like what is something Mm -hmm. that, and this is also inspiring for other people, like to just see like it's not perfect. And you already said that there's moments when you can really clash in your mirrors of each other. And it's like, ah, like I wish you would not see me. You know, (laughs) I wish I could just get away with, with my behavior. Is there something that you feel like yeah would have some room for improvement or something that is not really where you want it to be yet?
1: Or yeah, a couple things. I mean, I mentioned more play, more joy, just kind of like loosening the reins on trying to always like get it right, or because we both have a tendency to do that or to <clears throat> focus so much on the healing and just like let go, let our hair down, just relax. So more of that for sure. Um Being open to receiving coaching from him where there are a lot of times that I want to say, like, I don't want your feedback right now because part of my unconscious, wants to. I just want to bitch, right? You just want to vent and be heard. But also the feedback from him is important because he knows me so well and he sees me, but he also sees what I don't see, which is like not necessarily my potential. I don't want to use that word, um, but my true highest self he sees what's possible and what I'm capable of. And so sometimes when I know he's calling that out in me, I am resistant to him coaching or providing feedback to me. Mm. And so being more open to receiving feedback because it's not criticism, it's actually very compassionate to call me out to my highest divine being, like highest self. Um, That for sure is something. And then I think the last thing for me is actually like looking outside the relationship more for female friendships.
0: Mm, I have a tendency yeah.
1: to just like have my couple people and be a homebody, and like that's good. But again, he and I are so similar in a lot of ways that I think it can diversify and provide like a little variety in the fabric.
0: Yeah, great, great, great points that you bring in there, especially the one that you shared about for you then as a woman to have like female friendships. I think also reflecting for, uh, reflecting back on my past relationship, because right now I'm not in a relationship, how helpful it was to have my male friends be there for me, especially when there was like crisis or something in the relationship. Things were not, there was something came up or, you know, and I, uh, I I can't go to my partner with it because she's going through something and she needs space for herself, but then being able to go to my male friends. And like you said, sometimes also bitch, like, oh my God, this shit happened again, or just being able to vent it. Sure. and have and, and being received in that and then ah oh, actually it's it's quite okay and just having some valuable honest feedback from the friends from the girlfriends um about what's going on in in your relationship world
1: yeah for sure yeah it just kind of brings a little bit more of a, a different beat you know and then you can kind of have those experiences those conversations and bring it back mm. um because like i said it's when you're so similar you're you're almost like you know pawing at a mirror (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know
0: (laughs) yeah like a pure reflection in the water like yeah Mm -hmm. how are you guys with um like time management sort of thing How, how like time planning like because you both have clients and you both you're both entrepreneurs you can decide your own schedules do you feel like they're pretty aligned or is that a challenge or
1: Fairly aligned. We like spaciousness in our schedule. Like today is a heavier day for me than normal. Um, But I had some things rearranged this week. So um, I'll say we have like our sandbox. This is what I use with clients too. It's I tell them you don't have to have the rigid like miracle morning. You know, I've never done that, but I've heard about it. And it's just, you know, it's this, this, this specifically, but you can have a few things that are kind of the cornerstone of your morning before you kick off the day. Um, where you find and land and touch into yourself first before you go out and serve and give. Um, But it doesn't have to be done in a particular order for a particular time. So just if you time block an hour or two and then have those as bumpers, whatever you do inside is just playing in the sandbox. So maybe some mornings it's meditation, journaling, uh, you know, silence, and maybe some mornings it's moving and flow and you know, just having coffee and writing—it could be any of those things. But like, you have your protected time. So, we have some cornerstones in the morning. Most mornings we meditate. Uh, most mornings we sit on the couch and have coffee, and then we meander around and start our day usually around ten. There's not much conflict other than we share an office right now. So we're recording podcasts and stuff. And I like to nest. So there's certain times i be like, "Can I have the office right now?" And I'm like, "Okay, I'm moving uh-huh. all my stuff." But like yeah we're sharing the space so that's really the only time that it gets sticky but otherwise i mean it's pretty fluid you know i'll write a a post he'll write a post and we'll read each other's posts and give feedback um ah that's pretty it's pretty fluid (laughs) yeah
0: that's so cool (laughs) i love it when two two coaches live together it's like so beautiful What would be, if you can remember, like what was one of your, I don't know, lesser days recently? Like what happened in that day and what did you do to go through it? Or did you just surrender and did you just have a shit day? Or are you willing to share about that?
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, I've been going through this process steadily of unbecoming since I, you know, have been on a, a spiritual path. And I think we're always on a spiritual path. But when you're aware you're on it, you choose differently. So I finally chose the work back. I was being called to it, and I finally chose it back with eyes open wide. And I've been on that journey now for about a little under four years. But this year was an acceleration of letting go of what I look like. And that's been really hard and really challenging. Like, So curly hair was just kind of the start of it. But then I gave up makeup for 30 days. Now, it, that feels really vain and really selfish to even have that be a thing that feels real to give up. Um, And in comparison, I just wanna say like to other people and like actual issues in the world, like (laughs) it pales in comparison. The the problem here though is that this is something toxic I think that has really infiltrated a lot of, specifically Western culture, where women still feel their value is in what they look like because then they'll be chosen. And so it pits them against each other in competition most of the time when i would coach a a group of women and we talked about who they're trying to look so good for it's for other women
0: Mm, which is so
1: interesting to me why and it's because other women signify competition competition of what being chosen by men and then that signifies oh therefore i am value and worthy wow Invaluable and worthy. Yeah. So this was something I've been like really uncoupling and dismantling. But in that, right, then you you say, okay, well, I've had this like historic fear of abandonment. And what if he's only in the relationship because he's attracted to me or because Mm -hmm. of how I look and now I'm choosing to not wear makeup? Like that's the ultimate laying of the mask down where you're like, I'm really letting you see me and now I'm showing up like me. Truly me every day, and he's still here,, uh. and it wasn't I mean it if I asked myself if it was if that was actually like a real fear, it wasn't, but it was it was still a whisper of, but what if and so that has been hard because there's some mindfuckery in that, you know, like wow, imagine being so conditioned and so programmed that your only value is in how you look
0: mm yeah and and the downside of it as well is because you know now we're like young we're like in our 30s you know we're still beautiful and but then you know at some point you get older and then you also need to accept the fact that you are gonna look older and you're not gonna look the same way as you do now so if you're in a relationship and you're just looking at the appearance then you probably need to swap for a new partner every uh, like uh, 10 years or so like 10 years younger and that also doesn't work at least i don't believe in that if you really want to be committed together with someone and I I love what you shared about the women and that they actually wear the makeup to for like to compete with other women they're not even wearing it for the men essentially it might be the the result that they're looking for but they're wearing it to just compete with the other women and I kind of recognize that as a man as well like You know, I'm not the tallest and the biggest guy, but that also happens for me. Like if there's a big guy in the room and there's women, then I almost feel like intimidated or I feel like I need to sit in a certain way so I look bigger, right? So there's all these subconscious things that are happening all coming from afraid of not being chosen or afraid of not being good enough.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, posturing, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And it's so tiring. It's like, I did it for a while, not consciously, but just trying out I think It was also when I was doing a lot of medicine work where I was confronted with the fact that I'm now not anymore so much, but like so uncomfortable in my own body and I could feel like being so I was looking at myself and it was like the whole room was looking at me, but they weren't, but I could feel like all eyes were on me and I felt like shame coming up and I had to really work through it. And then at some point I just let go of my entire body and like, I just sat in myself like a couch potato, stopping to pretend that I'm sitting there, like all straight and all like my spine straight and active and everything. And I dropped everything and I felt like a huge weight got lifted off my shoulders. I'm like, I don't have to. Why am I pretending so much? Why am I pretending mm. to be someone else instead of just being here and feeling tired or feeling sad or feeling emotional and just sitting in that and being in that? So that was a breakthrough moment for me as well yeah it's really beautiful yeah beautiful carrie i feel like uh also looking at the time i feel like we shared quite a lot quite a lot i feel like we peaked in this in this area of uh this topic that we wanted to speak into yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: is there anything to round up anything else that you feel like bringing in or sharing or
1: You know, this is why I created the the unmade retreats that I'm hosting, is creating a container where women can come and be no one. I mean, imagine coming into a room and it doesn't really matter what you do. And yet you all know that on some level you've created, like, physical success and external postured success. But, like, the relief that you feel when you don't have to lead with that and you can simply show up as you are and you can also be committed to this process and step into a container that is meant to support the unbecoming, that lets you reveal who you are so that we can radiantly see authentically you.
0: Mm, Sounds like a very transformational experience for women, as you said. Probably a lot of women are yeah, maybe not even aware that they're doing these things and just maybe imagining the fact that they can be in a space and just be themselves without needing to pretend or like do all these extras to be accepted Mm. or to be liked or to be seen. I think that would be a a beautiful experience for any woman to have in in their lifetime.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much for uh, joining and for hopping on and sharing vulnerably. And um, yeah, everyone, thank you for listening as well and wishing you all a beautiful day or night, wherever you are. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, Renee. (laughs) Bye.
1: Bye.